Thank you, Lord, for it in Jesus' name. We bless it to be so. I want everybody, if you would, tonight, to really give me your best ear, because this is a word that has nothing to do with the person or anything preaching. Somebody else could probably preach it better. Okay, it's not that. But I feel it's a word that is not being preached a lot of places. And so there's probably not a lot of places that you're going to hear a lot of this. And I want this to really get down in you and let it change your life tonight, especially those that are kind of in the um, the core leadership. Um, not only that, but the interns, those of you that feel a call in the ministry, this is something that you really need to hang on to. You may need to keep this in your Bible and refer back to it. It's certainly something that needs to be foundational in every church and every ministry. And those that, that are part of this core group, this leadership, I want you to really let this get into your spirit because... This is something that we need to apply. All right, so what I'm going to talk about is when heaven and earth collide. And let me just open with this. You know, church should be a place that we're meeting with God. And it's not in most places, honestly, it's not. It needs to be a place where we're meeting with the Lord. You're, you're having an encounter with His presence. That you could come with confidence to a place that whatever's going on in your life, that there's something there that you could receive. You know, that you can have a prayer about a healing or, or a provisional thing or whatever it is. And that you also a confidence that when you come, you're going to meet with the Lord's presence and that you're going to be fed spiritually. That's the way it really should be. I told you guys earlier, Pastor Benny uh, Baker called me and we were talking, but you know, I don't want to get too off on this, but we got to be careful that we keep foundational things in the church and not let very important foundational issues become something that is pushed off to the side. Because I'm, I'm concerned right now that a lot of things that the spiritual fathers of the faith paid a price to have, that people are kind of flippantly just letting it go. You know, I've shared many times, but, you know, in the early days of the Pentecostal movement, back whenever um, William Seymour and the Azusa Street Revival, you got to understand, they were paying a dear price of being persecuted and ostracized and, and, and people, you know, maybe blackballing them financially where it was difficult to get a job or, or whatever it is. And they were paying a price so that we could have that today. The power of the Holy Spirit. And you see even among some Pentecostal and, and full gospel circles that people are trying to put away the Holy Spirit for something they feel like I guess is better. But what they're doing is, yeah, I use the example that, you know, if my wife, every time we had company over, my wife wanted me to go hide in a back room somewhere because she was ashamed of me, you know, that would hurt my feelings. And I know that it would hurt her feelings if I did to her. But that's exactly not similar, it's exactly what some people are doing when they're relegating the Holy Spirit and the move of the Holy Spirit to some back room somewhere because they're ashamed of Him. The Holy Spirit knows, He knows what He's doing, He's God. He do, how many knows He doesn't need our help?
And as we were talking, Pastor Benny and I, I just felt, you know, that this message today is significant because there's some foundational things in this that we need to make sure that we have established in our churches. All right, the first thing I'm going to talk about, and you probably don't hear this too many places, is an open heaven. Jesus wants our lives, he wants us to have an open heaven over our lives. A place where there's an open heaven, there is going to be the glory of God, and where the glory of God is, there's going to be a lot of not only provision and favor, but there's also going to be a lot of miraculous activity going on. What an open heaven is, is this. The way things are right now, Satan stole from Adam his authority over the human race. So temporarily, Satan has a, a dominion on the earth. Jesus defeated him at the cross, and now we are in enemy territory. We're behind enemy lines, but we have the authority over him. But there's this clash of power going on. And right now, the Bible says we're to occupy until he comes, but there's we're, we're living in Satan's territory, so to speak. You know, ambassadors of Christ. We we can have heaven's provision and heaven's authority, but there's still this confrontation. Now, temporarily, until Jesus comes, Satan has principalities and powers in the second heaven over cities and regions. The Apostle Paul talked about him in Ephesians 6, and he talked about wickedness in the heavenly realms. Now, it's God's will that those principalities and powers in all of that overhead is not able to have a throne or an oppression over us as Christians. But like I said earlier, if people are living in a way that they're in agreement with Satan's kingdom, then they are allowing that. They're allowing the heavens to brass overhead. And whenever they pray, they feel like it's only hitting the ceiling. Whenever they try to pray and spend time with the Lord, they feel like God's distant, which he's not, but it's certainly going to feel that way. And that there's a heaviness. And you know, where there's a brass heaven, it's like spiritually sterile. It's difficult to grow spiritually. It's difficult to pray. It's difficult to read the word. And to be quite honest, it can even be difficult to get along with people. Because the enemy has put like a, a brass heaven over that. And it's because of the way people are choosing to live. And I'm talking about individuals. I'm talking about families. I'm talking about churches. I'm talking about evangelistic ministries, missionary works, denominations, anybody. I'm talking about any Christian or group of Christians. What, however we are living will determine whether there's an open heaven or not. Now, the way... That the Lord wants our life to be, I'll read this scripture here in a moment, but the Lord wants there to be where Satan's kingdom is pushed off to the left and to the right. And there's a clear access, not just toward, you know, from you to him, but there's an access for angelic activity to come down here where the glory of God is resting. See, I want God's glory to be in my life. His glory is His manifest presence. And we have been talking about the glory lately. But the glory of God is not everywhere. The Bible says all the sin that falls short of the glory. The glory is not something to play with. 
The glory is not something that God will flippantly put somewhere. And some of you know, sometimes God may bless an endeavor, but it doesn't mean He's going to inhabit that place. Did you catch that? He may bless an event, but it doesn't mean that He's going to start tabernacling in that place among those people necessarily. There's a difference. The glory of God is His manifest presence. The kabod in Hebrew, there's a weightiness. The shekinah in Hebrew, which is a shining but it's His manifest presence, and His presence can be in a place, and where His presence is, where His glory is, there's going to be miracles. There's going to be, and the, you know, that's what an awesome man of God just prayed for me recently, about a week ago, and prophesied. But He told me, where the glory is, that's where finances are attracted to that. There's provision. Are you hear what I'm saying? Where the glory is, there's health and healing. It's available. It's in the glory. Where the glory is, there's freedom. All right. So let me read to you a few scriptures that are on here. First off, Jesus had an open heaven. I mean, when he went places, the heavens were open and God's glory would come down and miracles would break out everywhere. And he's our example. In John 1, starting with verse 43, it says, The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found one, the one who Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come out of there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching him, he said unto him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathaniel said. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under a fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Don't you think about that? Jesus said, you believe in me because I saw you under a fig tree. In other words, I'm going to paraphrase, Jesus is like, that's not a big deal. Okay, I saw you under a fig tree. But you're going to see some things that are a big deal. You're going to see the heavens open and you're going to see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jacob had an open heaven experience when he was in Bethel. Actually, when he was there, see, his granddaddy had, had built an altar there and prayed when Abraham came through there. But there he was. He, he laid his head on a rock. And I always joke about, you know, anybody that can sleep with a rock as a pillow is a true outdoorsman. Amen. Anyway, I have respect for Jacob just for that alone right there. But Jacob was, he was asleep. And he was awakened because he felt something going on. And when he opened his eyes, he saw that there was a ladder and there was angels ascending and descending. Remember Jacob's ladder. There was an open heaven over Bethel. The reason why some places have had moves of God like they've had is because they have established an open heaven and God's glory. 
And once you get the heavens open, you get the skies purged and the glory is dwelling. That is a major stepping stone to seeing revival, but you've got to protect it. You've got to guard that. Now, this was an Old Testament principle because in Deuteronomy 28, 20, the Lord spoke in Deuteronomy 28. And he said, if you will obey me and do what I said, I will do all these blessings. And he listed all kinds of blessings. So you can read it about blessing their food, their health, everything. And he said, it falls into these seven categories, exaltation, promotion, health, long life, reproductiveness, prosperity, abundance, favor, and victory. He said, I'll give you all that. That's the categories, but I'll give you all these blessings. But he said, if you disobey me, and you disobey my word, these curses will be the result. These will come on you instead. But see, it's not God's will. God said, I've laid before you life and death, blessings and curses. You choose the path in life that you choose. It's your choice, and it's my choice. But the Lord wants us to choose life and blessing and obey him. Now watch this. Deuteronomy 28, 20, this is the result of disobedience to God, rebellion to God, and curses as a result. It says the Lord will send curses, confusion and rebuke, everything you put your hand to until you are destroyed and come to sudden ruin because of the evil that you've done in forsaking me. The Lord will plague you with diseases until he has destroyed you from the land that you are entering to possess. The Lord will strike you with wasting disease, fever, inflammation, the scorching heat and the drought with blight, mildew, which will plague you until you perish. And listen to this. The sky over your head will be bronze and the ground beneath you iron. The Lord will turn rain into powder, dust. And it will come down from the skies until you're destroyed. But look at that. The sky over you bronze and the earth beneath you iron. You know, a lot of people are finding themselves in a situation where the heavens over their life are bronze and they're trying to connect with God, but it seems like their prayers only hitting the ceiling. And then they're trying to do work for the Lord, but the very ground that they're trying to plow has become like iron. I'm going to help you find a way out of this. And then verse 12, it says, The Lord, now this is, for those that obey the Lord, obey his word, he said, the Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land and season and bless all the works of your hands. You will lend to nations and borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God, I give you this day and carefully follow them. You will always be the top and never the bottom. Do not turn aside from these commands. I give you this day to the right or left, nor following other gods and serving them. So the Lord so wants to bless people that he said that if you just take a cup of water in my name, I'll bless you. But you got to understand the Lord has set laws. He set principles in motion. Just like the law of gravity was something set in motion. And if you try to defy gravity, it's not God's will. But I'm going to tell you, you're going to reap a negative consequence in life. If you try to jump off a house and land on your head, thinking that you're going to defy gravity. But it's a law, it's a principle that's set in motion. So you understand that, so you work with gravity. The same gravity that can make you fall on your head and hurt yourself 
is the same gravity that you could work out and lift weights or whatever, and it'll be a healthy thing. But you work with the laws that God has set in motion. And God has released blessings and He's released curses. He's released life and He's released death. But it's determining your choice in life that if you choose to obey the Lord and you choose to honor His Word, that you will reap blessings in life. So let's look at this. First off, we've got to live righteously before the Lord and we've got to walk in forgiveness. Did everybody hear me? If you want an open heaven over your life, number one, you've got to live righteously. And I love that, you know, Brother Kilpatrick and Nathan, I'll tell you, I really appreciated some of the messages they preached at the Bay Revival because you're not hearing enough of it. And, and I know that there's people out there preaching it, but you're not hearing enough of it that is being released in a real high public arena. I'm talking about television and, and high profile. You're not seeing enough of it. But it really ministered to me to hear Brother Kilpatrick preaching on repentance. And then Nathan to preach the way he did. Was it Friday night, I believe? And he preached a sermon about not soiling your garments and living holy and, and, and all of that. But I'm going to tell you, that makes a difference. This, you know, And I'm, I'm just saying this because I, I preach this way all the time. I preach this way all the time. And you guys know that. You've probably heard this a thousand times. But, you know, it's so important what you're allowing in your life and what you're not because it will influence. It's like whatever you're allowing into the atmosphere of your home, whatever you're allowing, whether it's something you're watching, whether it's the words that's coming out of your mouth or whatever's there, it can release something out into the atmosphere and it can affect your home. It affects the atmosphere. And a home can be a place where it's easy to pray. It's easy to read the Bible. It's easy to get along. It's a place of health and life and, it, and, it's, and it's blessed and the atmosphere of heaven is there. Or it can be a place that's sterile. There's a brass heaven. It's difficult to pray. It's difficult to get along. It's like struggling in life. Struggling. And God doesn't want that, but it, it has a lot to do with what goes on there. And one of the things that I've you know, made a determination in my life is that as far as me and my family. But that's the reason why God has poured out His Spirit here. Is because we've guarded things like that. You know, Sandy and I, we guard, guard our relationship, but guard what comes through television, guard what comes through movies, and guard what goes on because, I'll tell you, it doesn't take much until something is sterile. And once you get an open heaven and you get the glory, you've got to protect it. And going through your home and praying over it, anointing it and blessing it and praying, it can release the presence of God. All right. And it's interesting because places have history. You know, you can go to different places, different churches, different, different houses, in different cities, and there's a spiritual heritage there. It has a memory. And certain places you can tap into like a, a well of revival. You can tap into something where God once moved, like that whole wakey-wakey thing, you know. And, and you can tap into a blessing, something that was there, something that's residual. I remember Pastor Kilpatrick was saying one time, and you remember this about the atmosphere, he was preaching on atmosphere. But he said that he was up in the mountains, 
And they had been so poor over the years that they didn't ever have the money to build a church. And when revival, they, the Brownsville Revival, they had traveled there. And Lyndall was doing some worship, I believe. And Brother Kilpatrick was sitting out there. I imagine Steve was sitting out there. And they had finally, after many, many years, come up with the finances to have some kind of a building. And he said while he was in there worshiping, he could hear, just like y'all heard tonight with the intercessors, he could hear people like intercession and weeping and, and, and tears and, and people crying out to God. And it wasn't going on in the service. It was something God was allowing him to spiritually hear from the past that had been in those mountains. And he got up and shared what he was hearing. And the people just started weeping and crying. They said, that was my grandma. That was my grandpa. That was my great-grandma. That they didn't have any money to build a church, but they used to walk through these hills and they would cry out and pray. But see, what happened was that that stuff was, that was in the atmosphere and that was in that region. And whenever that revival came there, it connected with those prayers. You see what I'm saying? It's like they drew, it connected with the history. And it can work on the flip side, where there's been idolatry, there's been witchcraft, where there's been sexual sins, where, where there's been all kinds of filth. It can actually have something residual there that can be oppressive, and it can hinder. There can be hindering spirits. And so whenever you go into a building or a place or around certain things, you need to pray about God giving you discernment, because to really get the heavens open and to get things purged, you got to deal with the history a little bit. There's some good things sometimes you can tap into, but there's also some negative things that you'll have to clear out. You hear what I'm saying? So to have an open heaven in God's glory, you're going to have to live holy. You're going to have to walk in forgiveness. But also, if you take the Lord's Supper regularly, that's why we do that here. When you take the Lord's Supper regularly, I could do a whole sermon on it, so I'm not going to get sidetracked. But the Lord's Supper is so powerful. There's a deep consecration. The Bible says it purges out the yeast, which represents sin. And I've seen that in individual people, and I've seen it as a collective group, that taking the Lord's Supper has literally purged out things that need to go. Sometimes that, that is cleansing out God dealing with sin and clean, cleaning out that way. And sometimes it's getting some, some person out. But there's a yeast being purged out. There's been people that have been healed, taking the Lord's Supper. There have been people that have been delivered of things, taking the Lord's Supper. But it definitely has to do with an open heaven and the glory. Because where the blood is, where the blood of Jesus is applied, the glory will come. Did you get that? Where the blood is. And that's why when we take the Lord's Supper, it's the bread of presence but also it, it's applying the blood. And so the blood of Jesus brings a consecration and the glory will come and rest where that blood is. In the Old Testament, the priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he had to offer up a sacrifice for a sin. But he would take that blood in there and he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat, which was on top of the ark. And once he sprinkled the blood there, the glory of God would come and rest on that blood, and it would light up, it would shine and light up that Holy of Holies like a light bulb. But it would come on the blood. So taking communion, also speaking blessings, has a lot to do with the glory. And then the third thing is, prayer and vicarious repentance. 
there, it's really powerful, I'm telling you, it's really powerful to repent on behalf of a region, a nation, a family bloodline. You know, the nation of Israel, every time they had a great revival, they repented for the sins of their fathers. And every time you're going to see a significant move, you're going to hear people weeping in intercession and travailing and confessing the sins of their nation and their region, but also their family line. Or at least it should be that way. But see, that vicarious repentance, whenever you get under the weight of the sin of a family line or the weight of a sin of a region or a nation, and you're representing that region or that nation or that family line to God, and you're repenting on behalf of them, I'm telling you that releases something from heaven. And Lou Engle and these guys have tapped into that really powerfully through the calls. They've, they've gathered hundreds of thousands of people, but they're publicly repenting. And I'll never forget the time that they had um, an Indian chief who had become a Christian, and then they had a U.S. senator who was a Christian, and they had them join hands, and I don't remember where it was, but it was one of the calls. It, might, it was Nashville. They had them join hands and pray and ask forgiveness for the sins in America of the past, where the Indians did things they shouldn't have done, and the white people did things they shouldn't have done. And as they joined hands and prayed, I'm telling you, man, I, that releases things over the nation. It, it literally has the power to break curses. It has the power to, to push back the tides of darkness. And re, that's what I'm talking about, about opening the heavens. You're getting the heavens open by doing things like that. Because it's, it's clearing away sin. It's getting things out of the way that need to go. So if you want the glory in your life, you want an open heaven. Confess and repent of the sins of your ancestors. Confess and repent. You know, when Pastor Jeremy was here Tuesday, man, I felt it. I, I came under a little bit of spiritual warfare about this one. But I felt, I knew that the day before, I started feeling really sick, and I knew it was weird. It was like a spiritual battle. And I pressed through. And then on the Tuesday, I knew that him coming, the Lord had showed me it was significant. And whenever he came and we were praying here, the Lord spoke to me and said, that's why you've been going through this spiritual battle. Because there's too much competition and division between ministers in this region. And it's caused, it's caused the enemy to be able to brass heavens and be able to be at work. And so as I came over and joined with Pastor Jeremy, two pastors agreeing and we confessed the sins of this region. About the competition and the division. Man, I could feel it. it just, just like I was talking about with Lou and it, it released something in this region. But there's going to have to be repentance. Repentance means not only that you ask forgiveness, but you turn and quit doing it. There's going to have to be repentance to have an open heaven and the glory. All right, the, the last thing, I just got a few more things to cover here, but I want to talk about the glory. Listen, when the glory comes, now I love, you know, hearing that sermon on atmosphere where it talked about, you know, there's a climate change, but then there's an atmosphere change. And a climate change is, man, we know all about that in Dallas. Okay, we live in some freakishly weird part of this universe where 
just south of us is tropical and just north of us is normal. And so we're right in the middle. And every time the wind changes, literally, every time the wind changes, it blows in some freezing cold northern, you know, and then, and then it'll switch back the other way three days later and it's hot. It's just weird. And you, people, there's little wonder there's tornadoes, you know. But that's, that's just a climate change. That's just a climate change. But when you're dealing with a culture, you're dealing with, like when you go south of here to Florida, they have a continual tropical atmosphere to where they can grow palm trees. You can't do it here, really, but they, they have tropical all the time. Whenever a church or a ministry starts having an open heaven and the glory come, that's a climate change spiritually I really believe some churches some ministries it would be like whenever you get out those ice trays and it's like you know to yeah that's what it would be like on a Sunday morning for God to show up God would just you know loosen up the ice a little bit the frozen chosen just kind of break things up a little bit and so anyway so the, the there's a climate change and all of a sudden churches they get a little loosened up but that's, that's where the glory is coming in. Now, the glory visits, and there's a climate change, but how are you going to sustain that? You see, that's the thing. We've got to sustain the move of God, sustain the open heaven, sustain the glory over a period of time. And as that happens, as the glory is here, it changes the culture of the entire church. Because all of a sudden, the church is more free. They can praise and worship. And they can be free. There can be a move of the Holy Spirit. And it's not something weird. It's something that's normal. The gifts of the Spirit can be at work. And because the glory has come and is sustained over a period of time, now it's like the church has, the culture has changed and now people are different because of the culture change. You guys are way different than you were, you know, years ago when you first were introduced to the because you've been in the glory over a period of time. Where the glory of God is and there's an open heaven, there can be a culture change. And churches have a culture about them. Now, you guys can go to different parts of the world and you see different cultures and to you you're thinking, some of that is weird. But then they look at you and they think, man, you guys are weird. You know, it's because, it's because there's a different culture. We're looking at them going, man, that is weird. And then they look at us and go, man, y'all are really weird, you know. And it's just because there's different cultures. Well, see, it's the same thing in churches and ministries. It's like there's different cultures. And you can see it. You see it in the way people talk. You see it in the way they dress. You see it in the praise and worship. You see it in the preaching. You see it throughout the whole ministry as a whole. There's a culture. Some of it's weird. And some of that weirdness is a bad weird. And some of it's a good weird, okay? But it's weird. But look at this. You know, for a long time, the church has been gathering around sermons and gathering around personalities and gathering around, you know, great singers or whatever. But I want you to notice, what did God's people originally gather around? Numbers 9.15, it says, On the day the tabernacle, the tent of the covenant law was set up, the cloud covered it. Now, how would you have liked to have lived in the day? Man, 
if there was such a thing as time warping or whatever, I would, this is where I would warp back in time because I'd want to see this right here. I wouldn't go back to 1950 or whatever or go back to the Old West. I'd go back to the tabernacle and be sitting on some cliff in my blue jeans and my sneakers, you know, hiding and looking at the tabernacle or whatever. <laughs> I can just see somebody see me and go, who's the weirdo and what's he wearing, you know? But I'd be up there looking at the tabernacle because the tabernacle... Listen, during the day, it had this big cloud over it that would shelter them. And think about this. At nighttime, there was a pillar of fire in the sky. And that pillar of fire would keep them warm. And so during the day, they had shade that would keep them comfortable. And there, at night, there was a warmth. Because how many knows in the desert, it really does get really cold at night and really hot during the day. And so the Lord put that there for a reason. But that would be so amazing to see that. And so the children of Israel grew up, and let me continue reading this in verse 16. That is how it continued to be. The cloud covered it, and at night it looked like fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from the tent, the Israelites would set out. So the cloud would lift up and start moving. So I can just see, you know, Jethro or whoever, he's out there, and he looks up in the cloud. The cloud is going up. And off it goes, you know, and he's like, we got to go. And so they would all start packing up their stuff. And what were they doing? They were following the cloud. And then where the cloud would stop, they would literally camp around. What the cloud was, was God's presence. They were following the presence of the Lord. And they would go where the presence went. And where the presence stopped, they would camp around the presence. You know... Let me just say this, and this is true, and some of you call into ministry, man, you better hear this. There's people that are chasing after a lot of things. To some people, it's about reputation. To some, it's about money. To some, it's about popularity or political status. To some, it's about buildings, and it really is. It's about facilities. It's about the smoke and the lights and the money or whatever. It's about a lot of different things. But I tell you what it better be about, because one day we're going to stand before Jesus, and all of that's going to be talked about. It's going to be you and him. And when I see him, I don't want to see an angry face. But there are going to be people that see an angry face. I want to see a smiling face, because I don't. it's going to be talked about. He's going to bring it up. I don't want my life to have been lived like that. It should be about following his presence and living for him. That's it. Don't make it complicated. It's to bring him glory and to be faithful. That's it. Be faithful. Where he tells you to be, be there. What he tells you to speak, speak it. What he tells you to do, do it. And if people don't like it, tough. Because you're going to stand before him one day and not them. You better hear that. Alright, so they would follow the cloud. And that's what we're going to, have to do because where the cloud is, and the cloud led us to Rockwall, bless God, we're here we are. But, you know, hey, the cloud is here. That's all I care about. We have camped, listen, we've camped around the cloud. That's all that I care about. We, we're in his will. And you know what? Where the cloud is, where the glory is, there's healing, there's miracles, there's prosperity, there's favor, and there's souls being saved, there's a harvest coming in, and there's revival. It's because we're in the cloud. Let me give you a few things in closing. All right. 
three quick things. Number one, there's got to be protection. So I told you guys this would be foundational. Number one, what I talk about, we've got to have an open heaven in God's glory. Number two, we've got to have an established culture of God's glory, but we've got to move with the cloud. All right, number three, protection without control. I think the word control, people just wig out, you know, now because of the Jezebel spirit or whatever. But, I mean, there's, you know, if I saw, like, a little kid trying to lick his finger and stick in a light socket, I'm going to help control him away from, you know, I'm not going to sit down and discuss electricity. and, and you know, So don't, you know, freak out about the word control. But listen, there can be an unhealthy control. Amen. There can be an unhealthy control that where you're trying to, it brings a suffocation and a bondage. Now, what I'm talking about is you set up parameters. In other words, you set up things that protect, but not control in an unhealthy way. Okay? For example, to have a move of God, we are going to have to establish, number one, that there's going to have to be some kind of parameters and guidelines about who's laying hands on who. Now, my opinion about this, I love the moves of God going, uh, going on all over the place, but... There's several of them that, that that really bothers me, honestly, because it's just a free-for-all. Anybody can lay hands on anybody. And I'm not saying that in a critical way. I'm just saying that as a pastor, that would concern me if I was there. Because I want to know who's laying hands on me, my family, and the sheep. Because if I don't even know them at all, as far as I know, they could be a pervert. They could be a child molester. They, they could be a witch. If I don't know who they are. They could have just split a church. And they got some divisive, rebellious spirit all over them. And then they're going to go lay hands on people. No. So there's going to have to be, number one, there's going to be some guidelines about that. Number two, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 9, to judge prophecy. I'm all, I'm all for prophecy. I love it. I, sometimes God uses me to prophesy. And many of you have had prophetic words from me. But we're going to have to have some guidelines there too because you don't want to just like unleash and just let anything go on. Because then, you know, people start, I've heard some pretty goofy stuff. You all hear some funny prophecy stories. So, yeah. It's not funny really because it's, it's really could be pretty dangerous. But I mean, I've heard some ridiculous prophecies where this one prophet, and I think he's pretty well known, but... He told some guy to stand up and he was prophesying that he was going to marry the person next to him. And it turns out it was his sister. <laughs> I looked over at Brother Anthony and he had this look on his face. Yeah, that would, that would be awkward, wouldn't it? And then, I mean, just goofy stuff like that. And listen, if you just let it just go, people, people get goofy. So there's got to be some guidelines, okay? I remember during, during the revivals, listen, the, the best, the, to my knowledge, and I've studied this out, the best pastored revival in American history that I know of has been the Brownsville Revival. It was pastored. And I've studied this out. This is, this is somebody that has studied church history and studied revival history a lot. 
And I would say probably it's one of the best pastored revivals that I've, I've even read about in history books. But there was guidelines that, you know, don't, you know, you lay hands. There were certain people that could. They were authorized. And and pastor told them, say, you know, don't, don't go around laying hands on people's stomachs and different things just because it can get weird. Just, you know, they, they had a certain guideline. Let me tell you, some people need to come under that authority and come under like dealing with a rebellious heart because during that revival there'd be some people that would directly go against the leadership and do what they wanted to do and then they had to be removed but you know what this is the truth God's never going to bless and honor rebellion amen that's like when we were at the Bay Revival and, and the brother got up and said don't lay hands unless you have a badge that's enough for me you know, I don't, I don't have to have somebody standing over me. You know, I, that's enough for me. Well, then at some point, Nathan said, if you're with a pastor or somebody, have them pray for you. I'm like, okay. And so I pray with somebody, you know, but then it's like I'm trying to come under authority. Because listen, if you're under authority, then you're not just moving in your anointing. You're also moving in the anointing and the authority of that covering. Did you get that? But if you're in rebellion... You're not moving under any anointing or authority, and that's not right with God. And so whenever these guidelines were set up, it doesn't bother me to go somewhere and they say, will you pray for people or will you not pray for people? It doesn't bother me. And they say, well, if you have a prophetic word, give it. But Or they say, just don't have any prophetic words. It's like, all right, it doesn't bother me. But see, the thing is, they, there was guidelines of don't do a lot of personal prophecy. They were nice. They said, just pray for people for impartation. That's it. So there's going to have to be some, some guidelines about all that. Secondly, the Bible says, James 3.1, to not presume. It said, many of you should not presume to be teachers because they'll be judged more strictly. But there needs to be guidelines about who's allowed to teach. Amen. You know, I don't want just anybody teaching my people. I want to make sure that they're not going to be teaching them some weird, crazy, lunatic doctrine about, you know, UFOs are coming and, you know, just weird stuff. But listen, there's, there's ministries out there that are so big and there's, listen, they've, they've, they don't have any parameters and so there are weird things going on and I could, I could say some things and I won't, but there's weird things going on sometimes they don't even know about. But that leads me to my last point here. 1 Thessalonians 5.12 says to know those that labor among you. So if we're going to be biblical, that means we're going to have to get to know people. And the word know is gnosko in the Greek and it, it implies intimate knowledge. Okay, It's not like an acquaintance. Oh, I know your name. You know, It's not like that. It's like you know their life. You know how they live. You know what they believe. Before they're teaching. You know that they're an accurate prophet before you unleash them to start prophesying everywhere. You know that they live a righteous life before they're laying hands on everybody. That's kind of what I'm getting to. We've got to get to know people before they're allowed influence. Amen? So we protect without control. 
And true discernment, true discernment, Hebrews 5.14 says, by, by constant use, you train your inner senses to discern good from evil. You, you, you learn how to sense something that's good or evil. It's a spiritual thing. It's not suspicious. It's not critical. It doesn't go by outward appearance. And somebody knows sometimes some people, let me tell you a story about outward appearance. There's a man I knew, uh, Pastor Tillery. He's down in South Texas somewhere. Powerful man of God. Major healings and miracles happening through his ministry. And he was about probably pushing 80 years old when I knew him. But he was telling me many years before that he was in this meeting. And in the meeting, now, Brother Tillery grew up back in the days of the 60s and 70s, okay? So he would use the word, that hippie, you know, like that. So anyway, <laughs> he was saying that he was in this meeting, and um, I was trying to help you understand. He was in this meeting, and this guy comes and sits by him and his wife, and they're respectable pastors, you know. And this guy sits by him, and he's got sandals on, and he's got holes in his pants, and he's just, he's got long hair, and he looks like a hippie, off the street hippie. And... Um, and the guy was sitting beside him, and he's, and he's thinking, oh, man, you know. And, and the guy's like, he said, I want you to, he did something like, I want you to hold my jacket or, or, or something to that effect. And they didn't realize that this guy was one of the most anointed altar workers in this particular revival. See, they were just looking at the outward appearance. They had no idea. And so at some point in time, at some point in time, the speaker says, will so-and-so come up here because I want you to pray over everybody. And lo and behold, Hippie got up, and he goes up there, and, and uh, Brother Tillery was like, his mouth just, he couldn't believe it. He said, man, the Hippie's up there. And, and the guy started praying and had his jacket off, okay? And he started praying for people, and there were people several feet away from him. that when he would pray for him and just wave his jacket, they were being picked up and thrown like 10 feet in the air. And Brother Tillery said that that was one of the most powerful times he's ever been hit by the power of God, was when that guy turned and... Did like that with his jacket to him. But see, he almost missed it because he was just looking at the outward appearance. He was, he was telling me this story. It cracked me up. But, the, you know, sometimes, how many times have all of us probably done If you go by outward appearance, you can miss sometimes what God's doing. So don't be suspicious or critical or, or look at outward things too much. Get to know people and discern in your spirit not by your eye that you see in the natural. What does it say about Jesus? He will not judge by the eye or the ear. But see, he knew them by the Spirit. He knew in his heart who they were. Last couple points. Come to service ready to be used of God. I think most people in America, you know, they, they wolf down some egg burrito and they... they they're resisting the temptation of fighting with the kids. They throw everybody in the station wagon or whatever, minivan, and off they go to church. And they never, they're not ready to receive from God. They're not ready to be used of God. They're, they just got there through survival. They made, they made it. They made it. And then, and then after it's done, it's like, all right, now we all go to the Cracker Barrel, you know. Yeah, well, so, but let me just say this, for, this is what God, listen, to Amos 4.12, therefore this is what I will do to you, Israel, because I will do this to you, Israel, prepare to meet your God. 
I just want to use that phrase, prepare to meet your God. But, you know, we need to be ready when we come to be used of God. To receive from God, but be ready to be used. So, in other words, get, spend some time in prayer. Get yourself ready spiritually. Okay? Be ready to meet with God. Be ready to be used by God. Be ready to move with the Lord. And during the, during the Brownsville Revival, they had all these altar workers. And Brother Stephen then would talk to him and say, Look, keep yourself pure during the week. Be careful what's coming in your eye gate. Be careful what's going in your ears. Be careful what you're around. Keep yourself holy. Keep yourself pure so that you can be a pure vessel for God to flow through. And let me tell you, you know, a lot of people don't know this story, but these altar workers, they were so powerfully used of God. You know, a lot of times people think, oh, well, you know, you see somebody like, for example, right now, the way God's using Nathan, which I love the way God's using him. But let me tell you the story behind that. His father went to the Brownsville Revival from England and was desperate but no, none of the leaders prayed for him. He was there, and he was sitting there, and he was praying, and some little altar worker, old lady, came by and just touched him on the forehead. He was slammed by the power of God, went back. His son was backslidden and away from God. Nathan was not living for the Lord. He's praying for his son. He's popping in the uh, VHS tapes of the Brownsville Revival when his, when his son's around so he can hear him. That anointing that came into him passed to his son when his son got saved. It went back to that little altar worker old lady that was praying for people. You see what I'm saying? People sometimes put too much of an emphasis on certain things. Look, the, the altar ministry, God can use anybody powerfully. Anybody powerfully. You don't need to get your eyes too much on people. You know, like, oh, well, I want, you know, the pastor, the prophet, or whoever to pray for me. Oh, if they'll pray. God can use anybody in the altar ministry in an awesome way. And you know what? Nathan's ministry goes back to that in many ways. Here's the last thing. This is the most important thing, so I want you to please hear me. This is what I feel like we're going to pray for tonight. Now close with faith. We've got to have faith. I'm telling you, we've got to grow in our faith. This year, I feel like God has increased my faith a lot. Last year, God increased the anointing a lot on the ministry. I believe this year is a year of increase of faith. But you can have faith in one area, not necessarily in another. Let me read this to you, Mark 11:22. Jesus said, have faith in God. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will happen, it will be done for him. All right. Faith is believing before you see. But it applies in every area of life. It doesn't just apply to healing. It applies to finances. It applies to your job situation. It applies to protection. That you're protected from things going on. It, it applies to every area of your life that you pray and you believe, then you will see what you believe. Now, going somewhere with this is very important. But this is the year of increase of faith for all of us. We've got to start applying this faith in every area of our life. 
Is there an area where you're not really believing? See, think about this. Is there an area where there's some negativity or there's some fear, like worry? We shouldn't really be worried about anything, right? Didn't Jesus say, don't worry about tomorrow? He said, you know what? Tomorrow is going to have enough issues. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just concern yourself with today. But see, worry is a sign that you're not really believing. Why would you worry? If you're praying for your lost loved ones to be saved and you really believe that God is answering your prayers, why are you worried about it? If you're praying about a situation in life, a sign that you're in faith is, is that you're no longer worried about it. You believe. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay, when you have faith, Jesus said if you have faith, this is the pattern. You have faith in your heart. You believe in your heart. You know, I believe why Brother Anthony has seen the miracles. There's obviously a gift of healing and a gift of working in miracles. But you know what? For years, at Christ from the Nations, for years, he kept reading those scriptures over and over and over. And those scriptures didn't just get here. They sunk down into his heart. And they're in here now. And when they got in here, they produced faith. Once the word of God gets out of just your head and it gets into your heart, then you have true faith. And the Bible says if you will believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, there will be sozo. Okay, we've studied out that word. That's, that's salvation in the Greek and it means to be healed, delivered, protected, preserved, made to do well. It's the whole package, what Jesus paid for. If you believe in your heart, and you speak out of your mouth, you will have it. Now, the important thing is, don't just believe, but start speaking it. And this is where I wanted to get to tonight. Jesus gave the example of a mountain. Why did he use a mountain? Because it's something that is a visual. There's a true story. I remember the story, but the actual some of the details I may not be clear on, but there was an orphanage in another country. This is a true story, a missionary work. There was a mountain. The sun would you know, rise in the east, and there was a mountain there. And the kids in the morning were cold, and they wanted that mountain moved. They really did. And the teacher, somebody had told them this scripture. And I see when you tell kids something like this, they just believe. They don't complicate it. And so they, they read this scripture or whatever, and some of the kids came up to the teachers. So they'll be orphanage kids, and they come up to the teacher and say, so do you think if we ask Jesus to move the mountain, he'll move the mountain? Well, the teacher didn't have any faith. And the teacher's like, I don't know. I, you know, just pray about it. So the kids, listen, the kids go into a little huddle, and they pray. Jesus, we ask you to move the mountain. True story. This is a true story. Within about a week, there was construction bulldozers that were tearing down that mountain. And come to find out, come to find out for some reason, some government official, whatever, needed the dirt. And so they decided, of all places, they decided to take that dirt. And so they took that whole mountain and hauled it off. Well, that's a true story. But see, the thing is, people complicate too much. Look, if you believe in your heart and you speak it, but here's the, here's the part I want to get to about visual. Jesus used mountain because he knew it was something everybody could visualize. 
Dr. Cho in Korea, he faced, man, he faced the devil. I don't know if you've read any of his stories, but he really faced the devil before revival broke out. Man, he went through some tremendous warfare. But when revival started breaking out, he started seeing people get saved and their ministry started growing. But here was the key. I really want you guys to please hear this. This is the most important thing I feel like I'm saying tonight. because This is what we're going to pray about. There had to be a visual. And God showed Dr. Cho when he was praying. He showed him a visual. And he could see all these people getting saved. And he could see them coming into the church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He could see it. He visualized it. He saw it. Then, that's what he believed, and that's what he spoke, but that's what he saw, and this started happening. I could give so many examples. Jesus said, I, I, I do what I see my father doing. I see. When God took Abraham, God could have just told Abraham, said, look, have a lot of descendants, okay? And just left it at that. But God didn't do that. He took Abraham out and he said, look into the sky, look at the stars, and he said, that's how numerous your descendants will be. Then he said, look, look at the seashore, look at the sand. Why did God give Abraham a visual? Because it has something to do with faith. When Jacob needed, whenever he was leaving, and Laban, bless his heart, had, you know, took full advantage of the blessing on Jacob's life, you know. But after Jacob finally had enough and was leaving, um, he said, you can only have what, like the speckled sheep. And so Jacob said, okay. So God put this on Jacob. He, he, on his heart, he went and cut up some, uh, some reed and, and cut strips in them where they were striped or whatever and put them in the water where the sheep would drink. And the sheep came and drank by the water, you know, made it, had little babies, and what happened? They came out speckled. It had something to do with the visual. I don't fully understand this, but I do, I do know this. I know this from experience. When you can see it, and when you can speak it, you will have it. I'm just saying, I know that from experience. When you can see it, what people need to do is you need to ask the Lord to anoint your mind and start giving you Holy Spirit revelation and vision. Because see, when you're praying for your lost loved ones or whatever and you're asking the Holy Spirit to move, you need to see the move of the Spirit in your mind. You need to see the angels at work. Whenever you're praying, you know, I, I gave the example earlier about, you know, if somebody's praying about a tumor, they need to visualize, they need to see that thing shrinking and leaving. You see what I'm saying? Because it's one thing to believe in your heart. That's awesome. But when you start speaking to the mountain, you start speaking out, and you start visualizing and seeing the change, that's when things are really going to start changing. So some of you are wanting to see a change maybe in finances or maybe in your ministry, and you're wanting to see things change, you need to see it in prayer first. And then you'll see it in the natural. You hear what I'm saying? And God's really been dealing with me about this lately too for myself. 
because there's prophecies. We've seen the last year, we've seen a huge shift, you know, and it's been awesome. But there's been some prophecies hanging over us, and it's time that we're going to start seeing more and more prophecies fulfilled. We've seen several fulfilled, and we've seen, but there's several more to be fulfilled. Amen? But for us to see everything that God has for us, we're going to have to start seeing these things in prayer and speaking them. So faith is believing first, then it's calling those things that are not as though they were. You're speaking out of your mouth what you want to see happen. I've prayed about this. It's happening. God is doing it. God's meeting the need and you're speaking it out. And then third, you, you see it. You can see it. See, I guarantee you when Abraham was praying, he would see those stars, man. You know he would. He would see that sand in his mind when he was praying. He would see it. And he would speak it too. He called those things that are not as though they were. He would say, I am going to be the father of many nations. He would speak it. He believed it, but he would speak it and he would see it. And because of that, he had it. And what I felt the Lord wanted to release tonight is I really felt led to lay hands about this, about I saw the Lord putting an anointing in people's mind, like in the imagination, and helping you to begin to see your prayers answered. You've been believing and you've been speaking, but you need to see it. You need to see whatever it is, whether it's in the physical body, Whatever it is you're praying about, you need to visualize and see that answer prayer. That's connected to your faith. You've heard me say many times, think faith thoughts, speak faith words, and have faith actions. You know, if God spoke to me that it was going to rain, you know, it would be a faith action for me to take an umbrella with me. You know, it's like you're acting in faith. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to pray and close this part out, and then we're going to lay hands and pray. But I I feel this tonight. How many of you guys want to start seeing some stuff? You know, I've been seeing it lately for the last, you know, three to four months. I've been seeing. And God's given me visuals. Sometimes I'll be praying about something. Sometimes it's God anointing you in your mind and you and you see it but there's times that God himself will just show you something. Just pow, it's there. If God ever shows you something, let me tell you, you can take it to the bank. But remember it. Remember that and and go back in your mind to, "Hey, he showed me that for a reason." Because I've been praying about the Holy Spirit moving and brooding over our lost loved ones in our harvest. I can see in my mind, I can see like this wind blowing over the, the wheat. I can just see the Holy Spirit. He's breathing life. He's moving. And I can see as I pray, I can see the angels of the Lord going into that harvest field. It's not just something that I'm believing alone, but it's something that I speak and it's something that I see. And it's also something I'm acting on because I'm sending out laborers to go get it. You see what I'm saying? I really believe that's faith. 